When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yo, and welcome to the 140th episode of Lake of Rage, a Pokemon trading card game podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Clementi, a.k.a. Mellow underscore Magikarp. I'm joined today by a very special temporary guest host joining us for, I believe, the third or is it the fourth time? I think the third time. OK, yeah, I can't remember, though. <laughs> the third time, of course, that is the voice of the one and only Twitter troll, Jake Gearhart. Jake, how are you doing on this beautiful Sunday night? I'm doing good. Uh, very tired. I've had a busy couple past days, but uh, yeah, happy to be here. <laughs> was it the League Cup grind or was it like actual real world stuff? Uh, mostly real world stuff, but I, I did have a, have a League Cup today, but I went uh, one, two drop because I um, opened an unplayable hand and then prized uh, two uh, Curlias. Uh, yeah. I was going to assume when you said unplayable hand, I was like, all right, that had to be Guardy because. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> You know, the cool thing is, like, you get those unplayable hands. You're like, well, I can Mirage step. I'm fine. And sometimes yeah. it doesn't. <laughs> anyway, Jake, thank you so much for being here, because we're going to be talking about the recent uh, Fukuoka. I'm actually not 100% sure on the pronunciation. I went to YouTube and I looked up multiple videos on how to pronounce it, and they were all different. So the recent I think it's I think it's Fukuoka. I think that's how you say it. There we go. Thank you. The recent yeah. <laughs> Japanese Champions League. We're going to stick with that one for me, which was 26 or a little over 2,600 players and had some interesting results that are going to affect us a ton for EUIC and Orlando Regionals because they were post rotation with the new cards. And the new cards, I had a shocker, Jake. They showed up, didn't they? Yep. <laughs> So we're all going to first, though, talk about something that was revealed recently. If you're on Twitter, you saw this. The sky is falling. The Pokemon trading card game is now officially over. And if you're on YouTube, you can see on the screen this nice pink card. Unfair stamp. It is an A-spec item card. You can only play this card if one of your Pokemon was knocked out during your opponent's last turn. Each player shuffles their hand into their deck. Then you draw five cards and your opponent draws two cards. That's right. You take that turn one knockout going second, your opponent unfair stamps you to two, and you just lose the game. Jake, the game's over. Pokemon's dead. Are we all going to go play One Piece, Yu-Gi-Oh, or Magic? What do you say? Uh, definitely One Piece. Uh, <laughs> I'm having fun with that game. <laughs> That's but, good to hear. But no, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's not Iron Hands 2, I'm happy <laughs> to say, uh, at least in my opinion. Um, I, I actually think this card is uh, really, really good for the game. Um, and it's because of that that first line of text. You can mm -hmm. only use it if your opponent took a knockout on the previous turn. So if you don't want to get unfair stamped, just don't knock anything out, and it won't happen to you. Um, so it's not like like Iron Hands, where you, you you just have to have to try and respond to it as best as you can. And if you have like if you open a bad start and can't uh, can't respond to Iron Hands, uh, you're you're just done. Um, Unfair stamp, you you don't have to deal with it until you're ready to deal with it. Uh, so you can spend turns setting up a barrel, putting Mew EX in play, um, or even earlier today, I thought of, uh, you could just put a Cleffa in play um, from Obsidian Flames. You want to get your first turn knockout, sure. You, you get the knockout, uh, you draw a terrible hand, you just retreat and uh, whatever the attack's name, Grasping Draw, uh, and you're back up to normal. Um, so... Yeah, this the card's definitely very powerful because it can buy a turn from super aggressive decks. Um, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think uh, turn one knockouts and, and running me off the board before I get to play the game is what's unfair. So I get to stamp it and then <laughs> it goes away. So you've definitely made a solid case for the setup decks, right? You're the Guardy player, so no surprise there, right? But what about the more aggressive decks? Like, is this going to be something that is almost a nail in the coffin for a turn one, like, let's say, a Roaring Moon or a Maridon? Let's pretend they still exist post-rotation when this card comes out and, a, you know, a whole set away. Not even the set we're getting next, but, you know, two sets from now. 
is this something that's going to stop those big basic turbo decks or is this just something that's like a bit of an annoyance a bit of a tool like where does this card lay in that i mean i think uh i think the game designers uh so as of late as of the past like year or so i think um they're really testing the game far more than like i've ever noticed them before Mm -hmm. um like uh as as i look as we look forward to this next format and once we go into the list we can see um uh as as i'm testing things and, and like theorying out ideas like all the numbers seem to like work out and anything that you'd think would be overpowered is getting countered by something else uh put in its place anything that could be overpowered already has a has a printed counter that you can put in your deck if you want to preemptively counter a deck that that isn't doing well yet but could be mm-hmm. or um whatnot so i think i think the game designers um are planning for the fact that uh, they want they still want aggressive decks to exist uh, but they want a specific type of aggressive decks to exist um or specific uh like lines of play to be correct um and so maybe the game designers have decided that they don't want turn one KOs to be the correct thing to do if you don't have uh, a board set up already. Uh, and I think that's a healthy thing for the game. Um, I, I like the, I, I think Roaring Moon is a, a really well-designed aggressive deck. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if it will be able to uh, combat this unfair stamp um, just by the nature of the deck, it's so linear. Um, but I think something like like a future box, which does take early KOs, um, will probably have have ways to to circumvent it. Um, or in the case of the, well, the there's like the new Iron Thorns EX um, thing, kind of giving like future box a slower option. Um, so I think I think all these cards are are designed like around each other really intentionally. So uh, while you might think of like Iron Hands decks as super aggressive. Um, the decks that would be playing unfair stamp like Charizard EX are really weak to Iron Thorns. So in those matchups, you can go uh, and lock them out for a turn while you set up your board, and then you're fine once you get unfair stamped because you've got like a gift energy on your active, which they've printed an enhanced hammer to counter, or you've got a barrel set up on the bench or a Cleffa, uh, like a turn you can you can draw with. Um, so I think all these all these interactions are working together. Um, really well. And I also do think uh, the unfair stamp is probably a sign that we're going to get um, some more aggressive decks because uh, all of the A specs so far have really been printed like to to do something specific in the format, even if it isn't like that great um, or like every single A spec except for maybe the um, the like the the two rainbow energy for a stage two card so has bad. like a. <laughs> Has a, has a very specific purpose. I still think that card has something something that they've intended it for that we just haven't found yet, uh, which which excites me about it because all the other aspects have their purpose and they sort of slot slotted into something like even Master Ball is in Lugia now. Um, so I think uh, I think the unfair stamp is a, a sign that we might be getting something more aggressive. So any for anyone who who does like playing those decks, uh, we're probably going to see something at some point. Uh, if it's not in the this next Japanese set, uh, the the Ogre Pony X mm-hmm. is probably a good candidate for something that would be uh, a big basic um, that probably has a way to hit multiple weaknesses and is probably a- aggressive. So um, maybe we'll need the un- unfair stamp in in stage two decks be- to be able to counter that. Um, and then one more point on the unfair stamp, uh, I saw a lot of people talking about like Arbok EX. How you can unfair stamp Arbok EX and your opponent has a zero card hand. Um, I think any anything that uh, any problem like any like we I'd, I'd say that that is a problematic uh, situation, um, but it must not be very good because it's super obvious, which means the game designers have definitely tested that uh, while printing the unfair stamp. So if they thought unfair stamp plus Arbok was going to be a good like a good uh, a powerful combo, they wouldn't have printed unfair stamp. So it must not be very powerful. Um, so yeah, I, I'd only look at very niche things that we think they might have missed uh, for it to become a, an unfair card. Um, yeah, things like Arbike EX, I just don't, I don't see that. Uh, I, I'm not even worried about it because I think they, they, they would have uh, stopped that before it became a problem. 
Are you looking for temporal forces or do you want to go shiny hunting with some Paldean fates? Well, be sure to check out tabletopvillage.com and use code MELLOW5 to get 5% off your order for temporal forces, Paldean fates, or any other product, sleeve, etc. that you are looking for. Not only does it support the podcast and you get some good cards, but you are helping out a family-owned Pokemon first business as well. Again, tabletopvillage.com, code MELLOW and the number 5, M-E-L-L-O-W, and the number 5. Anyway, back to the show. This podcast is sponsored by TC Evolutions. TC Evolutions offers the finest quality crafted damage counters, ability use markers, and V-Star markers out there. So if you're looking to beat your opponents in style, be sure to check out tcevolutions.com and use code LAKE10 for 10% off your order. Anyway, back to the show. But you also mentioned Master Ball and Lugia, and I think that's going to take us perfectly into what we need to talk about, which is the Champions League that recently happened uh, at the time of recording less than 24 hours ago, it finished, you know, this is fresh off the press. And as such, I do need to say, we don't have all the lists yet. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, we might not still have all the list, even if you're listening to it later. Uh, unfortunately, without RK9, it is a lot harder to gather all of those lists. You know, Robin has some sort of automated program, just scrape the RK9 data, shove it on there for limitless does not quite work for that for the Japanese tournaments. But we have, and you alluded to this a little bit, Jake, the winner of the tournament being none other than Lugia Archeops. And you, of course, mentioned the Master Ball in there, which is the first thing you just have to look at and be like, really? So, Jake, is Lugia back? Is Sinchino what we needed? And for anyone who doesn't know, Sinchino does 70 for every special energy attached to it. Is this the deck now? Is Colorless Lugia what we need to play? I mean, I think the deck is really strong. Uh, and it's not just Chinchino um, that's like the that's changing this deck. Uh, I think the actual bigger factor is uh, just what we lose to rotation. Um, so Lugia, Lugia V-Star is actually like a very, very solid attacker on its own in mm -hmm. this next format um, because we're losing things like Gardevoir EX, uh, which can one-hit KO Lugia, Mu V Max, which does Judge Path and knock out your Lugia Vs. Um, and those two decks were, were really gatekeeping Lugia. Um, and now we're, we're losing those. Uh, and also we're losing uh, Path in general. So Lugia doesn't have to worry about finding Stadium Bumps uh, in order to Summoning Star. Um, so Tina is, uh, again, less of a problem now. And then you're also gaining um, the Mist Energy, mm -hmm. uh, which protects uh, anything it's attached to from effective attacks. So Roaring Moon can't Frenzied Gouging a Lugia V-Star with the Mist Energy attached. And also uh, Giratina can't Star Requiem Lugia. So a Lugia with a Mist Energy and a V-Guard Energy, uh, just swinging for 220 is really, really strong. Um, and also with the format uh, sort of slowing down in terms of things that can one-hit KO, like a Lugia V on the first turn, uh, you're much less pressured to hit the turn two summoning star. So I think if you go first, uh, you don't even have to expect to hit turn two summoning star to be able to be in the game. If you mm -hmm. go second, you probably do need to hit the turn two summoning star um, to get attacking. But if you go first, uh, like you're you're fine uh, using read the wind for another turn against most matchups. Like Charizard EX, uh, they're going to be hitting you for 180, and you don't care about that. Um, uh, the maximum belt doesn't uh, apply damage to V stars, so that also makes them like more tanky against those uh, maximum belt inclusions in Zard lists. Um, and then against the aggressive decks, uh, you have this Chinchino option uh, that once you get the Lugia, uh, once you get the Summoning Star set up with the Archeops into play, uh, you can sort of play a Gardevoir like game plan uh, from current standard where you're just trading for uh, one for two. Like you go, you go behind two prize cards and then trade one for two for the rest of the game. Um, and at that point, uh, you've also got Gift Energy to keep drawing back into your Chinchino pieces. Uh, so I think uh, these, these combinations of factors are what make Lugia uh, a deck again. And I think, it's a, I think it's a really strong deck, at least like a tier two deck, maybe mm. even a tier one deck. Something off of that, too, for anyone who's like, okay, that's a lot of energy for the Sinchino to, as you mentioned, just take those Okos and take that up trade. We have 17 energies in this list. So, you know, you're like, oh, I need five to one hit uh, Charizard, right? 
Well, you can do that twice and still have plenty of energy left between prizing, research discards, you know, just clogging your hand in certain situations. So that's one thing that's like, it seems to be working out fine. You're playing a theme deck at this point, but the ratios are, uh, they're working. I think it's also um, important is that like all of the special energy uh, that you are playing are like very important mm -hmm. to have just like as effects that you can use. Like you need the four gift energy to recover after every attack. Uh, the four jet energy is super good for consistency with uh, Minchino's call for family. Uh, so you can kind of choose between uh, going for the read the wind or the call for family. The call for family is uh, going to be the usually the better attack to use against those like aggressive decks because uh, you want to flood your board with uh, a couple Lugia maybe in, in case they can knock it out or uh, get the Minchino pieces like lined up so that you can stream attacks more easily. Uh, and then against the the slower decks, you can read the wind to con more consistently get the, the Archaeopsis in the discard as fast as possible. So the, the jet offering offering that pivot option. Um, and then you also need like the, the one of therapeutic energy mm -hmm. uh, for your Snorlax, which is your option against uh, Lost Box. Basically anything that... Um, uh, like, I guess Lost Box, you're going to be going for a game plan where you, you're probably not using the Chinchino very often, just going for, like, Lugia attacks and then Snorlax um, to back it up. Uh, those, like, that's your, like, like tanky option. So you've got a tanky one-prize or a tanky two-prize and then a uh, one-hikeo machine um, all in the same same deck. So Lugia, like, it doesn't have the, the same, like, speed and aggressiveness as it did in the Silver Tempest format where you're just taking extra prize cards with Stoutland and Raikou, um, but you've got all of those options. And this this deck like almost reminds me most of uh, Gardevoir in current standard uh, in the way that it, it lines up its game plans. He's trading the refinement for gift energies and saying, I got a big hand, I'm fine. Yep. The next one on the list is another one that like I wasn't expecting it. If you're expecting it, ooh, good for you on the uh, medical because we have Arceus with a 2-2 Alolan Vulpix line. Arceus doing well isn't a huge surprise because it turns out Starbirth is good. It turns out chaining your attackers by using Trinity Nova is good. But Jake, can you walk us through a little bit of this one beyond the maybe like, oh, well, Vulpix is good against Charizard because they don't have anything to attack it with. But like, why is Arceus this very basic card doing so incredibly well what happened here i think uh again it's a very similar situation to lugia where all of the the one hit ko stuff is rotating your mu v max and gardevoir are gatekeeping all these uh the v stars right now in the current format um like giratina is the only one uh that's around really uh, like there's some some of the arceus decks survive but they're they're judge path decks and they have to get that off but the Giratina is it's planning to go behind. It just has a super great way to come back. But uh, the Arceus is just a very tanky Pokemon, uh, and not much can one-hit KO it. Uh, so one, one interesting thing you, you can pair with Arceus in this, uh, in this next format is uh, the, the Radiant Gardevoir, because um, you can even do that, and then uh, like Giratina V-Star doesn't even one-shot your Arceus. Um, but this, this build is going for... Um, uh, like a very specific strategy. It's like it, it's a very clear anti-meta deck, sort of like uh, the Alex Jamansky's deck from EUIC last year, the Arc Duravulpix. Um, I see this sort of in the in the same kind of way, um, where this was a very very concise and clear meta call that there's going to be a ton of Charizard, and that Arceus would just be a, a decent enough attacker against everything else to give you solid enough matchups. Um, and the one, like, the crucial innovation, I'd say, in this deck uh, is the the two Professor Turo scenario. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the issues with going for the Vulpix strategy against Charizard is they always have the option of going uh, counter catcher boss to reset your Snow Mirage effect. Uh, but with two Turo scenarios, uh, you can basically play a game plan where you're just, like, you, you just attack with an Arceus to set up your Vulpix and get the Starbirth off. Um, and then uh, you just don't take a KO to activate Countercatcher, um, and then just wait until you have uh, you can turtle everything off the board, and then you're left with a lone Vulpix, and Charizard has basically no option from there. Um, so yeah, just like a a, a super super good uh, uh, Charizard matchup combined with the fact that Arceus is uh, a decent attacker again is like what makes what makes this deck work. You love to see it. It's 
it really is that simple, isn't it? <laughs> play, yep. play the and there's cards. also a, also one more cool thing about this deck. Um, they do have the the two lost cities plus the prime catcher. Mm -hmm. um, so because Arceus, uh, like there, there's a four four Arceus line in this this deck. Um, so against your your matchups where you're using like Arceus to attack with a lot, um, you don't have to use your manual attachments on Arceus because you're just like Trinity Novaing back and forth. Um, so you can uh, use your your prime catchers or boss to lost zone Manaphy, and then there's the one of Radiant Greninja in this deck. Um, so you can uh, just lost zone a Manaphy and then manually power up Moonlight Shuriken, even though there's nothing like the Poppy in here, which could be uh, an inclusion. Um, you still have that 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 out uh, to annoy like lost zone decks with. Just make them find more stuff. Um, it's definitely too. Once you see, and remember, it's a best of one tournament, right? When you see the rating grid engine, the water energies come down. I'm probably going to go out of my way to find my Manaphy just in case that Poppy comes into play, right? And that's the ability to move that. It's what up to two energies from one of your Pokemon to another one of your Pokemon. So power up that rating grid engine out of nowhere. So yeah, it's you have the option, right? Manually powering it up. You go for the Lost City on the Manaphy, but also it is just a threat of like well now i have to go right if i'm charizard i have to go arvin for a nest ball to get the stupid manaphy down otherwise i'm gonna lose the game there are a couple more arceus decks i want to take a very quick look at in sixth place and seventh place we had the one and only arceus giratina coming back you love to see it we only have one of them but i think my biggest question and probably the one that most of us are going to come up with is path rotates the deck, to me at least, played NAIC last year. Terrible choice. Felt like it didn't do anything unless you got the path to stick at some point with a Judge or an Iono. How does this deck survive without Path of the Peak in format? Um, I think, again, this is a, a case of uh, rotation helping things <laughs> out. So what are, the, what are the decks that you use Path against most? It's, uh, well, Charizard which is still in the format. Hmm. Um, and then Mew VMAX and Gardevoir, and then basically nothing else cares about Path. <laughs> like maybe Maridon or Roaring Moon, they want to use a Greninja or Tandem unit, but they're like they're fine uh, against Path. Um, but the, the, the matchups where you need Path for have rotated, uh, and the one that's left is Charizard, which has a big uh, grass symbol at the bottom corner, <laughs> uh, which is why you have that Iron Leaves EX in this deck and the Maximum Belt. Um, so you're just you're just replacing the the paths uh, with some Charizard techs, and then all your bad matchups rotate. Uh, so you're just in a good good position overall. Um, I think this deck though uh, will have um, uh, a hard time if Lugia picks up in popularity, um, because Lugia with V Guard survives against the Giratina V Star, and the Chinchinos can one shot all your V Stars. Um, so I think this was. Uh, a, a decent call for this specific Champions League because of how popular Charizard was going to be um, and how unknown the format is, where this is just a very consistent deck. Um, you'll set up almost all your games in, in best of one. Uh, that's a very good thing to have. Um, and uh, yeah, just that flexibility uh, to pair, play against whatever you see and have a, a fine matchup uh, was was good call for this tournament. But uh, if we see Lugia rise in popularity, it might, might struggle a bit more. That makes a lot of sense. So we're seeing the Arceus do well because simplicity and unknown meta or mostly unknown meta, right? Like it was a very clear Charizard was absolutely destroying their city leagues, which is their League Cup equivalent. But otherwise, it was like, well, what are people going to play? Speaking of Charizard, that's the next one we have a list on. But uh, third place was a Snorlax stall. And then we had Charizard coming in fourth and one more in top 16. I think the biggest thing with Charizard I want to know, and this is, of course, as someone who is hopelessly grinding Charizard for Vancouver Regional saying it's still good, I promise. It was the most played deck, according to all reports I was able to find on Twitter. Why were there only two? Like, what happened to poor Charizard just being this unstoppable beast that it had been at Locals? Uh, I mean, I, I think, again, this is a... Like this is an example of uh, if we just look at the top cut and see what all the all the decks are in here, I think you can get an idea of why Charizard didn't do too well. Uh, Lugia is going to have a pretty good time against Charizard with the Chinchino being able mm -hmm. to one hit Char one hit KO Charizards. You can you can just use Lugia as your first attacker, uh, take a couple prize cards, trade back and forth, and then one hit KO a couple times to go up on the prize trade. Uh, the Arc Vulpix is a hard counter. 
uh, two block laxes in the top eight, a pretty hard counter for Charizard. Mm. Um, Arctina with uh, a grass attacker and maximum belt. Uh, and there's even the grabber in there. So grabber uh, judge uh, can, can prove uh, pretty difficult for Charizard to deal with sometimes. Um, and you, you see like basically everything in this, this uh, top cut here is a hard counter to Charizard or Charizard itself. Mm -hmm. um, so I think if we, if we look at more of the, the day two standings in general, uh, we'd be able to see a lot more Charizards. Um, I'd imagine the deck, like the, the deck is very strong, very consistent. Um, and it's the deck to beat. Uh, this tournament was just the tournament that uh, a lot of people decided to, uh, to try and beat it and they did well. For anyone wondering, the top place in Charizard was a Charizard B-Barrel list, which is the thing. Uh, go check out Cal Connor's Twitter. He put out a very good thread on why the B-Barrel version is seeing more success despite path rotating. It all makes a lot of sense to me. The biggest one, just to entice you to go listen to it, is Poffin is not VIP pass. Poffin doesn't get Rotom. And so... Uh, you know, you don't really get to draw those extra three cards to start your turn. And so that kind of makes that B barrel a little better because you need a few less combo pieces, right? There's there's other stuff he had. It was a gigantic thread. Jake, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think even looking at this specific list, uh, we see a couple like inclusions that that make sense with the that that lend to playing bear, B barrel over mm -hmm. uh, Pidgeot with those two code breakers. Um those are, it's just a very powerful card in general in the format because um, you can protect yourself against Iono or also it's early game consistency to finding the candy Charizard combos. Um, and so if you want to want to play Codebreaker and uh, guarantee you're, you're protected against Iono, um, then the, the Bebarrel like sort of lends itself to playing that card. Um, and then I'll also mention the... Um, uh, the the prime catcher in this list. So a lot of Charizard lists play the the maximum belt, but uh, prime catcher uh, is the one that's doing the best in Charizard as of now. Um, uh, prime uh, maximum belt is uh, I almost think of just as like a Charizard mirror tech because mm -hmm. um, it's basically good against uh, is it's not very good against anything else. It's, it's like already against Chen Pao and Golden Go, um, which are pretty good. But uh, like being able to aggressively knock out Baxcalibers is is also nice uh, with the the prime catcher and the counter catcher, um, and you've got the radiant Charizard and the two super odds, so you can recycle those against like the Golden Go, um, which gives you a better time against that. So I, I think the I think the prime catcher makes sense in this, unless you really care about the Charizard mirror. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. That's a good a good point as well, right? Because uh, we've been seeing Joe keep track of the specs that are in the top performing list and it's consistently for charizard been that maximum belt but the best one at the largest tournament that we have is playing prime catcher which is probably not a surprise to a lot of people at the start of the the what the reveals where like this card's broken it's going to be in everything everyone decided no and suddenly well it's coming back now isn't it uh, next one down, we have the rounding out top eight Snorlax stall. I can't imagine it's particularly different from the other list that was in top four. Snorlax didn't lose a whole lot. Um, we lost our echoing horn. So we have a Mantine in here, which again, if you're on Twitter, you've seen people talk about this Mantine, but it's just echoing horn for a colorless energy as an attack. And otherwise uh, we get what era eerie. Oh my gosh. Help me out. What's eerie. That? eerie thank you. We get eerie which lets you look at your opponent's hand get discard two and we get the cape that i don't remember the name it's a plus 100 hp as an a spec snorlax two and top eight jake snorlax time right playing it for you i see uh yeah i think this is this is one of the things that um is most like interesting um is that the like in japan they obviously all play best of one um and uh so that means that uh, and Snorlax is notoriously bad in 25 minutes best of one <laughs> where you get a double game loss if the game doesn't finish. Um, and despite that, two of these made top eight. Mm -hmm. um, so I think um, I, I think there's a very solid chance that Snorlax is like actually the best deck in the format, uh, like maybe even like an S tier deck uh, once we get it overseas in, uh, in our format. Um, so I think uh, at least while I'm preparing for UIC, like I'm willing to commit uh like three tech cards even to beating snorlax um because i think it's going to be uh i think 
a lot of good players are going to end up playing it and it's going to do really well. Um, and even even players who are less experienced, this is not like the most difficult deck to pick up, mm -hmm. uh, like especially this this normal Snorlax uh, non-Pidgeotty X version. Um, the Pidgeotty X is, uh, is important because it's, uh, it's better against those tech cards that you could encounter, like um, the Minior. Uh, if you have the Pidgeotty X, you can play Lost City, Double Turbo Energy, and Lost Zone, the Minior. Um, and stuff like that. Uh, any of those annoying tech Pokemon, uh, maybe that, that the 101 Gengar line yeah. uh, that people have talked about. You can play Defiance Band and DT and Lost Zone that if you need to. Um, so, so yeah, I'd, uh, whatever I'm playing for EUIC is not going to be losing to Snorlax. Uh, I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, Snorlax is definitely, I don't know, it's a sick deck. There's a lot of stuff happening with it, but like you mentioned, at the start where it's like, oh, they've been printing things that beat things. Minior doesn't auto win Snorlax, right? But it has an option that we wouldn't have had. <laughs> like in any other format, they've never hard countered control stall that I can think of that aggressively, right? Yeah, I don't think they've printed that much. Uh, yeah, for control specifically. Um, but yeah, another like uh, an anecdote about that, mm -hmm. that the Minior. Um, so I think uh, like with Paradox Rift, um, I think one of the things they actually started the like the design process was that they wanted to reprint Countercatcher. Um, and then if you look at that from like their starting point, a lot of the decisions of what they printed uh, in the set make uh, more sense. Mm -hmm. um, so you could imagine like Prime Catcher immediately comes out. What are the two biggest things that benefit from it? Benefit from it is Gardevoir and uh, Snorlax. So they print Minior to beat Snorlax or have a, a better time against it, and they print Iron Hands uh, to be Gardevoir, um, or make it not as powerful as it would have been. Because um, I think uh, uh, we we kind of got like out of the loop in that uh, Iron Hands was revealed like way sooner than Countercatcher. Mm -hmm. um, so we were looking at it from the perspective of Iron Hands being the like the big thing is going to destroy everything, and then Counter Countercatcher comes out, uh, and we don't realize initially that it, it does change so much. Um, but you can imagine a format without Iron Hands, uh, Gardevoir just dominating uh, with like in an in insane meta share. Um, so, yeah, I think I think the all those design decisions like this this lends to more evidence that they're testing a lot more than they ever have before, uh, with just things lining up uh, much better than they than they have in past years. Jake, be honest with me. Is this your attempt to try and walk back your everything is over Iron Hands? No, I still think uh, everything is over because Iron Hands <laughs> sucks so much. I, uh, I, I, I just hate uh, I hate losing on the like the first turn of the game because I don't draw my uh, candy guard or candy Charizard or, or whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of any card that can do that. But I think that that stamp card is going to solve my problem a little bit. Now we're talking NAIC. Jake Gearhart's going to be the champion. All right, let's go ahead and head down the list a little bit because there's a lot of cool stuff in here. I wish we had a few more lists, but like I said earlier, without RK9, uh, the list might be a week beyond. So there was a ancient box that did well, which is the babies, right? The baby moon, the non-EX moon, the Coridon again, the baby, and then presumably there's some flutter mains in there as well. I was unfortunately not able to watch any of the streamed matches. I don't know if you were able to see an ancient box on the stream or not. Yeah, I uh, I did. There was a, a couple ancient boxes that are streamed, or maybe even the the like the same player a couple times. And I think that it was this player. Um, they played. Um, I don't think they played any flutter mains in their list. It was um, just the Coridon and the uh, Roaring Moon, but they had a, a couple of the the Great Tusk in there, mm -hmm. um, and it came up a lot that uh, like their win condition uh, was sort of uh, like pressuring with these one prizers, um, and if they were losing the prize trade, they were often able to get like a uh, just a combo to the point where they uh, they can Great Tusk to to end the game off of a couple of milling attacks. Uh, because their opponent had to kept like playing so many cards to keep up with them, because um, the, this ancient deck is uh, like it starts off pretty fast, mm -hmm. um, but it caps out uh, where it can't really one hit KO uh, like big EXs like Charizard. But in order for Charizard to continue playing the game, they have to burn a lot of resources. Um, like they're 
they're, they're always searching their deck with the uh, infernal rain uh, and they have to draw to dig for candy combos and stuff like that um so it, it was very common for the charizard player to sort of get to the bottom of their deck um and then the ancient player would go like counter catcher barrel mill um and that if the charizard player was already down their switch card at that point they could just lose the game straight from there um and it was also very good against lost box uh, the the ancient box already has a solid matchup against lost box because mm -hmm. the attackers have a lot of HP and the ancient booster energy capsules add even more. Uh, but when you add the great tusk in there, it's just so much harder for lost box to deal with because you can suddenly just switch your game plan and start going for a mill win condition, which is something we like haven't really ever seen before. Um, I I can't think of a deck off the top of my head that has a like a pivot win condition like this that's so like defined you play two different strategies but they both work with the same like supporter cards so you can play them both in the same deck yeah as you're saying that i was like oh yo crabominable in the inteleon water box but that was of course not a real deck that anyone actually played outside of i think tim franklin won a, an australian regional with it but otherwise yeah you're right <laughs> it's not really a real thing that we see at least any time recently Although I will say, I did love able to pull that off and expanded. You played Bunnelby for control. And also, I'm going to mill you two cards. What you going to do now? Let's go into mill. We have Yamano, who I want to point out was the Japanese champion 2022 with Reggie's. Do y'all remember back in the day when we laughed when Reggie's won in Japan and said, that's fake, Japan's fake. And then Reggie's absolutely dominated our format. But anyway... <laughs> Japanese 2022 champion win or not sorry not winning between 12th place with mill great tusk mill so Jake you already alluded to it but I want to make sure everyone knows for two colorless energies mills one or if you played an ancient supporter mills four there's a mimic in here there's a one of comb fee I love that uh mill snorlax Jake, why is the format not completely dead? First, start there. Why can we look at these results and say this is fine? Uh, well, I think it, often with a mill deck, like you, uh, a lot of a lot of players who've been playing for a long time, they're they're immediately uh, thinking back to Durant Mill from uh, even if you never played during that time, you hear the the stories of Durant mm -hmm. Mill, um, and often these mill decks uh, or the like the Aranguru, um or not, you know, like the Mag Cargo, uh, Bilalba and Bryson Ban mill deck from uh, like 2020. Mm. Um, but a lot of these these mill decks, uh, you play, you you see them getting played, and it's like uh, anyone can play them and just do the same attack over and over again and without thinking and just playing these cards. Uh, but this this deck is like surprisingly, when you see it in action, it's surprisingly like sh uh, interesting to play and like thought provoking because. Um, you have to keep playing these ancient supporters, which are digging through your deck so quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and in order to play them, you have to have cards in your deck. <laughs> so uh, you can very easily like deck yourself out. Um, so you see the the Pidgeot. Um, like you have to you have to like plan to chain your ancient supporters and make sure you don't deck out. Uh, make sure you don't run out of resources because you'll keep milling your own your own deck with the the Hapu reprint. Um, but I think. Uh, even even this, the, yeah, there's a lot of counterplay in that because you you can you can play around sort of trying to uh, choosing when you're gonna like trap something active or like force them to waste an energy attachment or um, like in order to keep playing Sadas, you have to have energies in the discard pile so they can get stuck on things uh, and you can take advantage of that. Uh, if the great Tusk player is mismanaging their resources, um, so I I think there's there's also like counterplay in terms of tech cards. Um, there's the Barrel, which prevents uh, discarding cards from your deck. Um, and also a tool card, uh, which when it's on your active, it does the same thing as that the barrel does. Mm -hmm. um, so you can play these cards if you if you're worried about the great tusk uh, mill. Um, so yeah, I think there's like there's obviously a couple decks which are gonna struggle a lot with this, like lost box in particular. Um, but it seems like uh, from the gameplay, like the Charizard matchup seems like pretty pretty back and forth. Like it could go either way. Um, there was a Roaring Moon on, uh, on stream, which unfortunately got like three of their Switch cards discarded with uh, the one attack, um, something like that, which ended up losing them. Um, but yeah, the I think this I think this deck uh, and like Snorlax, there there are options out there to counter them, um, and we'll we'll see them come up eventually as uh, as better players figure them out. 
Uh, but yeah, the one la last thing you mentioned, the, mm -hmm. the one of Comfy, um, uh, I la immediately after like reading the, the a skateboard, whatever it's called. Um, yeah. Uh, you, you look at everything that has one retreat and, a, and an ability and, and Comfy's the only good one. Uh, there's like a, a Luxio where you can, it's like a one-sided rope um, or a, a Shinx. It's a Shinx. Yeah, yeah. The basic, you get it's like a one-sided rope. That could be an option for some decks with this board thing, but Comfy uh, just gets an extra card every once in a while, uh, which is pretty good. Yeah. Mew celebrations. Like it's time. It, it just missed its opportunity. I wanted that card to be so much more played. Also, speaking of one retreat that you can play, Zubat, look at your opponent's hand every turn. Knowledge is power. Uh, my own thing, I hate Mill with a passion. I just don't enjoy it. I hope this deck makes me think otherwise, but the days of Sinchino Mill back in the pandemic era was... Ooh, that was rough. Okay. There is a few more lists that we're going to very quickly run through. One of them is Lawson Giratina. We've already talked about why path leaving is not the end of the world, because the decks you want a path are mostly gone. How does Lawson Giratina survive, though? Everyone said it was dead. Everyone said Lawson was dead. Why is this thing getting, what is it, 13th place? Yep. Yeah, well, how, why? Uh, yeah I, th uh, I think, like... Uh... Yeah, you're, most of the matchups where you need to path against are gone, and then you can play the uh, Iron Leaves for Charizard. Um, and Tina, like, it doesn't have as strong of a comeback option with, like, the Roxanne path shutting off, like, things like the Greninja and with the Barrel being in more decks. Um, so I'm not sure that this deck will, like, uh, have have a lot of time to stand on, but this might end up being the, the best way to play Giratina still, mm -hmm. um, because the, the Cramorant option against... Uh, Lugia is is very important because um, the like the Arctinas just get run over by the Chinchino, uh, but with Cramorant you can at least pressure those and Sableye can knock out the the sixty HP Minchinos. You've also got Moonlight Shuriken, um, so yeah, with more options uh, for Giratina to stay in. So we'll see we'll see how how it ends up later. But um, I think uh, at this point the the Tina variants, uh, both the Arceus and the Lost Box are still like figuring out their position in the meta um and i'm not quite sure where the where they'll end up by the time euic comes around uh but they're they're things to keep in mind at least and then that kind of transitions into the last list that we currently have before we go talk about future box a little i guess there was a generic loss zone list coming in at 16th place uh it really has nothing special in it besides there's an iron bundle there's a crisis punch there's uh i'm gonna call it a skateboard is this something that kind of was a holdover? It's got the Roaring Moon, the Iron Hands, the Cramorant, the Sableye. Is it like a holdover of like this was good before? It doesn't lose much to rotation. I'm going to bring it again because I know it. Or is this something you think has some legs of like, well, Moon's good, Hands is good. So therefore, deck is good. Yeah, I think this this does have uh, some legs more than the, the Giratinas <laughs> uh, just because of... Uh, Iron Hands is such a powerful card, uh, and uh, Lightning type is going to get better with mm -hmm. Lugia coming back into the game. Uh, Raikou and Iron Hands, uh, like <laughs> yeah, they run through Lugia pretty well. Uh, and then you've got Cramorant for Chinchino, so that match mat that matchup seems pretty good. Uh, and then you've got the Roaring Moon for the Charizard, obviously. Um, and the unfortunately with with Charizard moving away from Pidgeot, it hurts a little bit because mm -hmm. you'd like to be Raikouing some Pidgeots or Crisis punching them. Um, but yeah, if you can figure out that the Charizard matchup, um, like I'm a bit surprised to not see any, uh, TM Devo in this list, um, because, uh, Charizard is like, was so played in the tournament. Um, but at the same time, they are, they're moving more towards, uh, like the one of TM evolution, uh, so they can sort of play around the, uh, the Devo TM a little bit better, uh, which makes it tricky. But if you can, uh, if the Lost Box list is, has like a decent Charizard matchup, um, then it's pretty well positioned in the format. Uh, like you're going to have a, a all right time against control. Uh, the matchup is like a lot closer now that they have eerie mm -hmm. um, to discard switch cards out of your hand. Uh, but it's still possible to play around that a little bit at least. Um, so I think it's I think this uh, lost box in generals will find a, a way to stick around. As you mentioned eerie too, we saw eerie in quite a few lists. I also don't know why. I want to say Irida every time when I say that thing, but uh, Arctina, we saw Eerie in there. We saw Eerie in, I guess it was the other Arceus deck, wasn't it? Um, yeah, these are things where Lost Box sitting there and suddenly Eerie away two Mirage Gates, two Super Rods, whatever. 
they are they might have gotten a little hated accidentally people are just like here's a cool card i'm gonna throw it in there which is very valid because that's i think something that i would strongly consider right like it's a cool card and lost box suddenly like no you're not supposed to tech against me like this is terrible so we could see lost box coming a little stronger back there's one in fifth place one in 16th and then of course the tina coming in 11th as well i missed the stream as i mentioned earlier did we see any future box on stream, the Maridon, etc., or was that something that they didn't put a whole lot on? And what do you think of it if they did? Yeah, there was uh, there was like a future box in day one, I think, and then in day two there was. Um, uh, I didn't actually end up seeing this round. It was like a a, a Turbo Iron Hands uh, with a list. Let's go. So uh, so yeah, I I, uh, I I don't want to go see that. I'll uh, I'll just pretend <laughs> it doesn't exist and it can't hurt me. Um, so round I think one uh, in London. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be playing. Uh, I'll be playing something that doesn't lose to Iron Hands or Storlax. That that's for sure. There we go. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I think uh, I think Future Box is probably not like completely figured out by now. Um, it's a deck that's like harder to harder to get right on the first try because it's uh, like built. It has to be built very differently than uh, decks are currently being built because uh, you don't really have space for a draw engine mm -hmm. on the bench. Um, so I think whenever whenever a deck like that comes along where it's like uh, the deck is built fundamentally differently than any other deck that we see right now, um, it takes more time to figure out. Um, and it's usually good to sort of look at the game's like history um, and try and figure out uh, like what what decks sort of match up similarly to this uh, from the past. Uh, like that the Team Plasma deck from 2013 um, is definitely th something to go by, uh, but you still have to like adjust for uh, like the speed of the format is a bit different, um, and you can't use a supporter turn one, so uh, like you have to adjust counts. But this is like a a very supporter heavy deck uh, with no other like draw option. Uh, so figuring out how to get a deck like that to work um, is pretty tricky. Um, but I also think uh, that uh, Gift Energy is uh, we saw that I think in in one of the lists. Uh, Gift Energy is a very important card mm -hmm. uh, for this future box. Uh, not not one of the lists up here on the top sixteen, but one yeah. on the stream, um, where Gift Energy is uh, is important. And uh, now that the game designers are really testing their their game, whenever they uh, whenever they print something that can counter another card, uh, I think it's it's time to go look at that other card. So they just uh, revealed an enhanced hammer reprint. Um, so I go and go back and look at the special energies that are in the format right now and see uh, where we can fit them in because maybe the game designers are uh, like estimating that uh, one of them is going to be good uh, and that it'll need to counter. That is definitely an interesting like the way you mentioned that is like that's yeah, a pretty good way to look at the Pokemon trading card game right of like let's use gift energy as an example like what if that's the broken one like game designers clearly they had decided gift energy should be let's say teched into more things than it currently is. And that's why E-Hammer got printed. And you're like, wait a minute, what did we miss here? Because <laughs> believe it or not, we don't solve formats like fully. And anyone who's gone back to play retro has uh, kind of noticed that before where you look at the list that existed back then. And then you look at the list now and the extra information, there's stuff we miss quite a bit. And just go look at the original Lost Box list versus the ones that happened when Lugia was good. <laughs> Jake, do you have anything to add from the Japanese Champions League that you had noticed, thought of, etc.? Um, I think I, the one thing I am surprised of is not to see any Chen Pao or Golden mm. Go in the top 16. Because um, those decks are uh, they're doing pretty well in Japan overall. Uh, and they have solid matchups across the board. Um, so... Uh, and they're not not too easy to tech against either. Um, like Chen Pao is uh, Chen Pao is one that's like really interesting because it's just such a fast deck uh, and has options like the Iron Hands uh, is a great option against uh, like any basic stuff. Um, and we see uh, we see like the the ancient boxes coming out. Um, uh, and I, I think uh, one interesting thing could be to play even uh, one of those um, the future Cabalions mm -hmm. in like Chen Pao to deal with. Uh, like to let your iron hands one shot the basic ancient stuff, um, uh, but yeah, we we'll see uh, we'll see if those those decks come back. I think they're still pretty good. Um, there's also uh, like a I've seen Toad Scroll popping up in a couple lists here and there, so maybe this was a case of a bunch of Charizard players in day one decided to put Toad Scroll in their deck, and they all 
did badly because uh, they have a Toad Scroll in their deck, and the Chen Pao players and Golden Go players did badly because they hit Charizard players with the Toad Scrolls. Yeah, without the complete picture, it does get a little bit harder to actually see. I mean, like you said, everything, right? Because we don't know who tacked what, and that can make things, you know, look a little bit different. But as I also mentioned, a few years ago, we laughed at the Japanese National Championship, Reggie's getting first place, and then suddenly, you know, we had Salt Lake City happen a few weeks after that, where Reggie's got three or four of the top eight. So you, you can't completely ignore these results, right? Uh, I, uh, I sadly bubbled that tournament with two Lossity, <laughs> or I didn't bubble. I was I got 10th place with two Lossity in my deck. I would have loved to <laughs> hit those Reggies. I love just a quick aside before we go. I still think Lossity is one of the best stadium cards ever printed. It's just like most powerful, I guess. Maybe not best as in design, but just it's so ridiculously powerful. Yeah, yeah. Getting rid of attackers is very good. <laughs> Jake, where can the people find you if they want more from you or any shout outs you have? Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at Jake K. Gearhart. Uh, and then one thing, I, uh, since I, I mentioned something related uh, earlier, um, I can mention I'm going to start um, doing coaching on Medify soon. Um, I still haven't figured out everything there, but uh, once I get that set up, I'm going to be do, doing something pretty unique. Um, so I'm going to be doing like deck building coaching mm-hmm. um, where I, uh, I'll teach you... Um, uh, so I'll, I'll start with um, like the, one of one of the examples I brought up earlier was that the uh, the future box list is a lot like the 2013 Team Plasma uh, deck, uh, and 2013 actually has a lot of similarities in terms of decks uh, with like current standard. There's uh, like a, a, a counterpart to Chen Pao, for example, um, and aggressive big basic decks. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start doing group sessions uh, where I teach that like 2013 format, um, and then. Each week we'll add a new set on, and then everyone in the group can uh, like discuss and build decks together. Um, and then we'll watch gameplay from the the past uh, and like reflect on what what everyone missed in the group uh, and try and improve week to week by adding new sets. Um, so you'll be able to to improve at deck building uh, much faster. Um, and since I have the the experience of playing for for those ten years, uh, hopefully I'll be able to. Um, to to help people out there that also sounds incredibly fun (laughs) just like as something to do the podcast you can follow us on twitter at lake of rage pod uh myself twitch twitter and youtube at mellow underscore magikarp be sure to rate and review this show leave a thumbs up on youtube if you're listening on spotify or something like that and you want to go leave a thumbs up on youtube it's also appreciated this has been another episode of the lake of rage podcast we'll catch you all next week did you know the Lake of Rage podcast now has merged at doomed-gaming.com, which is down below in the description? We have a shirt and sticker available to you. Use code LAKE for 10% off your first order of some Lake of Rage podcast merch. And if this sells well, we're going to add some more designs in the future. Now, on to the show.